Welcome, and thank you for being here with me for the Midlife Confidence Podcast. I'm Vana, and rest assured that this messy, unsettling midlife transition you're going through is designed to lead you to create a purposeful life doing things that you love, because a beautiful life starts with a beautiful mind. Here's a question about life coaching you may have in the back of your mind. Can just one session of talking with a life coach help someone feel better? Well, you met Michael Ann back in episode 65, and today you'll hear how she's been doing in the three weeks since we first visited. We couldn't meet for a few weeks because of the Thanksgiving holidays and such, and so by the time we got back together, she had had some time to let our conversation kind of settle in, and she had some interesting things to report back. But first, as I'm recording this, I'm looking out my second story window to a beautiful snowfall and feeling so cozy and warm inside, and I'm feeling really grateful for life and all its lovely moments. So thank you so much for being part of that. I love December so much. I love looking ahead to the next year and planning new things. So I'm giving you a heads up now on what's ahead. My theme for next year is going to be a year of better questions. And by that, I mean both in my personal life and in my coaching practice and podcast and all the things. I can't tell you how deeply compelling and powerful I know this is going to be for me and for us together, because a good question is a catalyst to so much awareness, so much expansion, so much creativity, so many awesome things. So how many questions do you think I can come up with? Well, I already have a list of over 115 and more keep popping up. So there are plenty to do a new one every week. And since this podcast comes out every other week now, I invite you to also join my email list because I'm really excited to explore a new question every week and what that question means for me and how it can be powerful for you too. So don't miss out. The new year is only three weeks away, and I don't want you to forget. Just go to my website. It's vonadavis.com and sign up there. Today, we're following up after our first coaching session with Michael Ann. Back in episode 65, Redefining What Works with Michael Ann, we did some coaching on how disconnected she was feeling as a teacher at a new middle school. We talked about what connection means to her now, how she could still love her students even when she has 218 students now instead of 30 like she did in elementary school. And then a few weeks later, we got together for a second session of coaching. And in this episode, you'll hear how she's creating a different experience and feeling better already. And I have to say, I could sense a totally different energy in Michael Ann as she's become more aware of how what is going on inside her is influencing her outcomes. Back in our first session, I remember taking a few minutes to teach Michael Ann about the model, the model of how we create our experience in life, how our circumstances lead to thoughts and our thoughts lead to our feelings, our feelings lead to our actions, our actions create our results, all in a chain reaction. We really only spend a few minutes explaining it. I wrote it out on my whiteboard, and we used something in her teaching experience to show how it works. And I noticed how intently she soaked that in when she saw it laid out that way. 
I could almost see the light go on and it seemed to really click with her. And I was thinking at the time, that's so interesting that as a teacher, she thinks in a certain way, like teachers think, and absorbs info so quickly. And those impressions were kind of in the back of my mind. And then when we met the second time, it was really lovely to see how she's putting this model to work already. Later in this episode, she actually called the model obvious and yet so revolutionary. And that's how I think about it too. So as you listen to this coaching, see how it translates into your own life and what you're experiencing now. How can you expand your awareness of what you're thinking and how it's sparking your emotions and ending up in your results? So let's listen to what has been happening the past couple of weeks. And so one morning when I was feeling just a little bit stressed and I listened to, I don't even know who it was, some philosophy guy who apparently writes a bunch of books. I just put him on play while I was getting ready. And one thing that he said struck me, and he said, when you expend energy on something you cannot control, it's like raging at the clouds for raining. Mm -hmm. It's a complete waste. Yes. (laughs) You, You cannot change the rain. And to get angry at it just injures you. And maybe those around you. Mm -hmm. And so that really struck me because, you know, some of my things I felt a lot of frustration for how much was out of my control. Mm -hmm. So I was sitting with my team and we were talking about this and I started with the whole, it just frustrates me so much. And then I caught myself and I said, you know, I'm going to change that sentence. (laughs) And I told him about this thing. I said, I just realized that I think most teachers in general are a little bit of control freaks. Like we like to control our domain. And Mm. when things come in to make things out of our control, you know, it's frustrating. I said, but I have just decided I have to accept what I can't control because it's making me crazy. Yeah. Right. All of our suffering comes from thinking something or someone should be different that we cannot change. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I've been working on it. Yeah. So I've had a way better week. <laughs> Even my husband has been like, okay, holy crap. Oh, sorry. If I don't know if I can say crap on your show. <laughs> holy cow. <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm necessarily finding my place. Uh-huh. But maybe it's realizing that, that that's okay. And that part of me, I think, wanted to change things so that everyone had a place. Mm-hmm. And realizing I don't have that power, mm-hmm. but I can be friendly. And I've noticed just the dumbest thing. But for example, one little girl, and I know at first I kept forgetting her name, and she was absent quite a bit at the beginning. I think she had to quarantine twice or something. Uh-huh. And so I was really slow to get to remember her name. But the other day I saw her in the hall, and all I said was, Oh, I love seeing your smile, student's name. <laughs> and she just lit up. And later she left me a little note about how she just loves that I'm her teacher and and how I make her feel happy or something. And I Uh was like, I remembered her name and I said something nice. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't about her assignment. (laughs) Yeah. And so I'm just trying to just, that's who I felt like I used to be. It seems that Michael Ann is now able to let some of the overwhelm and disorientation calm down enough that she's able to return more into who she really is as a teacher. 
She told me that she was having an easier time remembering the students' names, and she felt like the negative thoughts had been taking up too much space and draining that energy, but now she freed up some brain space for remembering names. I thought that was such an interesting observation for her to make. For all of us, one of the most basic foundational principles of living a more peaceful life is understanding what is and what isn't in our control. That's the essence of the serenity prayer, right? God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. I can imagine that teachers have one of the most hands-on, real-life, soul-wrenching daily practices to learn that truth as they care about so many students, and yet they really can't control whether the students learn, whether they feel like they belong, whether they come to school prepared, none of that. But teachers can control how they show up as a teacher and use that as their measurement. Do I like how I showed up today? Rather than, I don't like how the students showed up today. So I have this one student mm-hmm. who, <laughs> I swear every class period he's bleeding. <laughs> <laughs> and what I didn't realize probably until today actually was, it, it was just a funny moment where I realized, oh, he's trying to reach me. He wants, you know, why is he always bleeding when he enters my fifth period class? Uh-huh. Is it's because he needs that connection in some way. Yeah. And so today when he said he was bleeding again, I said, let me show you where the band-aids are. Mm-hmm. If you ever need a band-aid, let's just get right in here. Because I would hate to have you feel like I didn't care that you were bleeding. <laughs> and it was like, like he felt happy, you know. Uh-huh. Because I cared. I mean, literally, it was like a drop of blood. You know, I love how you just leaned into it and gave him the well, little it was bit after of attention. Many days of yeah. going, uh-huh. you're fine. You are not, you do not mm-hmm. need a band aid. You do not need to leave the room or, you know. Yeah. What I love about the coaching experience is that a new perspective starts to soak in and our mind starts to notice where we do have some control over how we can respond in a way that lines up with our values. So those were some great ways Michael Ann is already feeling more at ease, more herself, more proactive, and more in charge of how she responds. Next, we're going to talk about a situation that comes up in her classroom every single day. It's a seemingly simple issue that has a surprisingly big impact on how Michael Ann feels about her students and the feeling being created in her classroom. So I offer that as you listen, think about something in your life that maybe you think shouldn't be a big deal, and yet maybe it's creating some friction in your life that's like this little mosquito buzzing around and creating some frustration or irritation, and that then changes how you feel and how you respond to everything else going on. Another thing to notice is that as we kept moving through this issue, in the end, she came up with a new idea that had never occurred to her before. 
I love seeing people tap into their own wisdom and come up with solutions. As a coach, I don't know the right answers for someone, but in this space of a coaching conversation, it often allows people's own creativity to fire up and resolve things in a way they couldn't see before. But it's just realizing that rather than just shutting it down, I can have more power if I, I like your phrasing, mm-hmm. lean into it. Yeah. Intentionally choose my actions rather than yeah. respond. And I, I think I was in a unintentional just yeah. um, knee-jerk reaction. I was just reacting. Uh-huh. I think uh-huh. I've been in reaction mode for a while. Yeah. Just reacting to, it's not the same. It's not as good. It's harder. It's noisier. It's disorganized. <laughs> it's crazy. I don't have control. These kids are hard. These kids are, you know, like, I was just, uh-huh. I think I was bombarded because I didn't take control. And you showed me, like, I seriously, just the other day, I told somebody that it still boggles my mind that it's not the actions. I kept trying to change my actions and just feeling frustrated. And the reason you were trying to change your actions is to control the kids. Right. And I had to go all the way back to my thoughts and actually think differently Mm -hmm. so I'd feel differently. So then my actions were more naturally coming from a place of love Uh instead of a place of, oh my gosh, I need to control you because you're making me crazy. Mm -hmm. And there's still moments, but of course, less, fewer. And (laughs) I feel like I had too many battles, like too many things that were annoying me. Mm. One is the kids never seem to have a pencil. And I was going through 15 or 20 pencils a day and I never got them back, even though they all were like, oh, yes, I'll give it back, you know. Mm-hmm. And I just had to let go of that battle and just say, you know what? That's not the one I'm going to pick. Yeah. And it's so dumb, but I was like, oh, can I let go of that battle? What would that look like if you let it go? Just having hundreds of pencils. Like, you know, <laughs> my thoughts are like, oh my gosh, I'm not, seriously, oh my gosh, this is what it is. I'm not your mother. Tell your mother you need pencils. Tell your mother to buy or your dad to buy you pencils. You know, come prepared and keep track of your things, which is, those are all such, um, like, grumpy, um, irritated. And just, it's almost like I just felt overwhelmed. I'm trying to get class to start. And once I get them calmed down and we all are finally ready to learn. You know, some kid jumps up to go grab a pencil from the pencil cup and there's none there. And part of me feels like, oh my gosh, seriously, one more thing. And so I think it's a stupid thing to be so irritated about. And yet I found it being a big gripe thing that I was just like, oh my gosh, you guys, I'm not your mom. Bring your dang pencils. And what's Mm -hmm. so crazy is if you think that all my classes have like 35 to 38, if 10 or 11 kids or 12 didn't have them, most of them did. Mm-hmm. And yet I was still, all of them had to endure Miss McAvee gripe about it. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's true. So what would you do from that That feeling? What actions do you think you took then? Well, I just said, well, I'm not getting out any more pencils. I got out 10 on Monday. That's my limit for the week. People are stealing them. So I guess by Friday, there'll be no pencils to borrow. So I hope you have some. <laughs> but I guess part of it, you know, you want them to, be responsible for something. Yeah. It's just so weird. Like these kids, they always know where their phones are. Yeah. I, I, I one time even joked with one. Well, I wasn't really joking, actually. It's probably snotty. I said, well, maybe you should just like attach it to your phone. 
You'll totally know where your pencil is then. <laughs> like totally snarky. Yeah. And so you know, I think that caused them. Actions, yes. Kind of caused them to lose respect for me. Mm-hmm. Because here's grumpy Miss McAbee mm-hmm. being all snarky. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Less respect. And I think occasionally I may have even, without knowing it, really hurt a kid's feelings because I'm snapping at them and that's not safe. And so the results were kids felt not safe. Yeah. Loss of safety. And I know that has been really important to you. Yeah. I want them to feel safe. You know, it's funny. I don't know if I've really thought it through. Like you said, having these pencils can be such a deep thing, but. Yeah, but if there's it, all this stuff underneath it. Well, and if the results are, yeah. I hadn't really thought about the results. The results were, well, they're getting a pencil someplace else. Or, but mm-hmm. no, the results are less respect, hurt feelings, loss of safety, loss of trust. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't trust Mrs. McAfee. And what if they really needed something and I'm just brushing them off? Yeah. Let's talk about how you want to feel. How do you want to feel instead of grumpy and irritated and frustrated? Well, of course, ultimately, I wish they'd all have pencils. Uh-huh. But since <laughs> that is out of my control, yes, <laughs> I guess I would like to feel, I want to feel like it doesn't matter. But then I go, but how many grosses of pencils am I supposed to order right. with my own money? Or do you know what I mean? Let's work back from the result that you want. Okay. So what do you want What do you want to make sure happens? I want kids to learn to be responsible for themselves. So that sounds like a really lovely thing to want. But it's not realistic. It's not in your control. Like you can show up as a teacher who offers the kids an opportunity to learn that, right? But the evidence of whether you're a good teacher or not is not whether they have a pencil or not. Yeah. This sounds like a really simple school situation, but it's pretty deep. As you talk about it, when you see all the things that are coming up yeah, with the pencils. And so I got to make it less. I don't know how, though. It's so dumb. It's dumb. It's a pencil. Except <laughs> it's, it's, it's over 100 pencils a day if I just let them have them. Right. So let's go back to the results. How do you want... Right here, we're talking about how your class feels, how you feel about your class and how they feel about you. So in the end, I want them to feel safe and respectful and like they can trust me. And maybe I was just thinking, you know, there are places where if you need to borrow something, you have to give something up. I mean, we could make it humorous, though it would probably be stinky. I could take a shoe. You know what I mean? You can borrow a pencil, but I need a shoe. We'll put them in this a breeze box. <laughs> um, tell me more about that idea. I would get the pencil back because they would absolutely have to have their shoe. This is good. How would you feel? I mean, if you can imagine that actually working in your classroom, kids knew what to expect. They realize they don't have a pencil. They just take off their shoe. They come up to your <laughs> desk. Mrs. McAfee, here's my shoe. And then, you know, at the end, they exchange it. Exchange it. How would you be feeling if that was I think happening? it would make it humorous. Uh-huh. I mean, and and I do want humor in my classroom. I think it could be humorous. I, maybe I'll try that. Yeah. I know it's a dumb thing, but it's a problem in every class every day. 
all day long. Yeah. And right. I find myself becoming snarky and snappy about it. Right. And and I don't have endless amounts of money to buy pencils. And the school only yeah. gives you so many. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And so. So I love that that shift from the grumpy, irritated to, to humorous. humorous. And do you, what else happens if you try that out and it works? They think it just becomes fun and uh-huh. they feel a sense of belonging yeah. and they feel safety and they feel happy. Mm-hmm. And maybe they also learn responsibility. I need to return this yeah. because I need that other thing. So you're definitely offering them an opportunity to learn responsibility, right? Yeah, and that might be a good idea. I'm going to have to try that yeah. this next week. Right. <laughs> I started out with silver pencils that had my name on them. And they said, Mrs. McAfee's loaner pencils. And I had 30 of them. I bet they became like a collector's oh, item yes. for the kids. <laughs> I'm Michael Ann realized so many things as she unraveled the situation that she has been in an unintentional, unaware reaction mode that wasn't serving her well. She became aware of how her frustrated thoughts eventually kind of blow up into being annoyed at times, which is not at all who she is in her best true teacher self, and not the safe and respectful environment she loves to create with her students. That self-honesty is the path to peace and power. I just love her insight that taking charge of her thoughts and feelings allowed her actions to come naturally from a place of love. Best of all, in a few weeks, she went from being so overwhelmed and discouraged to feeling lighter, more intentional and aligned, and sensing the possibility of things getting better. Now, in this last clip from our coaching session, Michael Ann summarizes what she's learning and how it's changing her teaching experience. When you look towards the end of the school year, this first year, how do you want to feel at the end of the year? Like I've come a long way. Mm. And like I'm confident that next year is going to be better. What do you think needs to happen between now and the end of the year so that you can end feeling like that, like you've come a long way? Hmm. In some ways, I'm close, and so I think I'm already on my way. But I think at the end of the year, just feeling like I connected with some kids. There are kids that are going to say hi to me in the hall because they had a good experience. And, like, the best compliment (laughs) is someone says, oh, my gosh, you're going to have her next year. You were so lucky. Yeah. You know, I loved her. or, And so just getting to that point. But I feel like I'm on my way there. You know, that's an amazing thought, actually. I'm on my way. Yeah. yeah. It's funny how a few weeks, though, I can go from feeling like I was drowning to, oh, oh, there's some things I can do to change that drowning. Mm-hmm. It's not inevitable. Uh-huh. Yeah. So listening to you, it does really sound like you've come out of a lot of the I was in a major and, funk. Yeah. And it's so funny. Like, I seriously, I tell everyone about this model because I just, it's so crazy that I am 53 and never have heard it. <laughs> like, that my thoughts affect my feelings, that my feelings affect my actions, and my actions affect my results. Like, that almost seems so obvious and yet... So revolutionary. 
Like Michael Ann said, the model seemed obvious and yet revolutionary. That's how I see it too. And we started with the question, can someone feel better after just one session of coaching? And I think you can see that, yes, Michael Ann has already started shifting her thoughts, managing her mind. And even though she's just getting started and seeing what's possible, she already feels lighter and less overwhelmed. That's been my experience often personally, getting coached myself and as a coach too. Even though these new patterns get stronger over time as we get better at it, we don't have to wait to be Jedi mind masters to feel better. And if there's one takeaway from today, I think that it's the reminder that peace comes from letting go of expecting to be able to control other people and other situations and taking control of what is happening in our own mind, heart, and soul, seeing where the real power and control lies for us inside. Here's the thing for all of us with challenging situations that we get so wrapped up in, we usually can't think clearly in the middle of it. You know, one of the gifts we can offer ourselves is to allow ourselves time and space to step back and observe the situation from a distance. Coaching is a great way to do that, of course, because you'll have someone there trained to ask some guiding questions that can really help. And there are many other practices such as journaling, some quiet reflection, talking with a trusted friend, reading a book, listening to a podcast, all of these wonderful ways to get that space and insight. So thank you so much for being here. I'm very grateful to be sharing this with you. I really appreciate Michael Ann for showing up for this coaching. It takes a lot of courage to do that on a podcast. Don't forget to sign up on my email list so that you can experience a year of better questions with me. I want to see you all there and come back to the podcast and listen in two weeks. The next episode is going to be a meditation that I think you'll really enjoy. If you have someone in mind who might enjoy learning from this episode, would you please share it with them? And don't forget, I offer one-on-one coaching for women in midlife who want to feel better about anything going on in their life. Work, relationships, finding their purpose, working with adult children. There's so much life to talk about at our age and stage. Get in touch with me at Vana at vanadavis.com or on Instagram, I'm at Vana Davis. Take care until next time.